The opinions and viewpoints expressed in .NET Rocks are not necessarily those of its sponsors or of Microsoft Corporation, its partners, or employees. .NET Rocks is a production of Franklin's Net, which is solely responsible for its content. Franklin's Net, training developers to work smarter. Kids, quit polishing your jingle bells and listen up. It's time for another stellar episode of .NET Rocks, the internet audio talk show for .NET developers with Carl Franklin and Richard Campbell. This is Lawrence Ryan announcing show number 505 with guest Paul Litwin, recorded live at Dev Connections in Las Vegas, Monday, November 23, 2009. .NET Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net, training developers to work smarter, and now offering SharePoint 2007 video training with Sahil Malik on DVD, DNR TV style. Order your copy now at www.franklins.net. Support is also provided by Telerik, combining the best in Windows forms, WPF, Silverlight, and ASP.NET controls with first-class customer service. Online at www.telerik.com. And by Code Magazine, the leading independent magazine for .NET developers. Online at www.code-magazine.com. And now, the man who says, what happens in Vegas goes on YouTube, Carl Franklin. Hey, Vegas! Welcome to .NET Oh my God! There's ten thousand people here. That's, That's amazing. Oh, well, not really. Okay, we exaggerate sometimes. Welcome to .NET Rocks. Carl Franklin and Richard Campbell here with you for the next hour or so. We're uh, in front of an audience live at Dev Connections in Las Vegas, November 2009. Hey, Richard. Howdy, sir. How are you? I'm well. I'm doing well. This has been a great, great trip so far. But enough chit chat. Let's introduce Paul Litwin. Paul, how are you, sir? Fine. Paul, you haven't been on the show for years. I've never been on the show. It's what I mean. It's been years. It's been seven years. Yes, you have been on the show. I've not. Yes, you have. Okay. Uh, I'm going to figure this out, Rob. While you're talking to him, I'm going to go check the archives right now. We're online. Okay. We're going to find it. Did Paul that we never did a show before? Oh, yeah, he did. I remember it. Okay. I remember it. Okay. So, Paul, you're the track chair for ASP.NET Connections? Correct. And uh, you've been also doing talks here. What, what have you been speaking about? A uh, number of things at this show this time. Um, I have a talk next session on uh, NBC, ASP.NET NBC. Yeah. Uh, which I've been doing a lot of prep for because I'm uh, I, I'm really a guy who likes web forms. And this, the talk is about uh, the approach looking at NBC from a web forms person. Yeah, and those are two totally different brains that and, yeah. that embrace that. So that's that's interesting. So it should huh? be fun. Come see me crash and burn. At uh, 4.30 or whatever time it is, 4.30. Um, but so I'm you'd, also say doing it's, you'd say it's more for people who are web forms programmers? It's called ASP.NET MVC for dummies. Oh, okay. 
So you're calling web forms programmers dummies, basically. And I'm including myself. Ah, okay. No, it's for those who don't yeah. know NBC. Right. Dummies on NBC, not dummies in life. They could be as well. You could be. They're not mutually exclusive. <laughs> Did you find anything, Richard? No, I didn't bring my keyboard with me, so I'm trying oh, to. Oh, that was useful. Try to scroll through. You know, how do you pull up the find window in in uh, Internet Explorer when you don't have a keyboard? Yeah, that's bad. So uh, uh, I'm also doing a talk tomorrow on uh, programming reporting services, which is what we're talking about now. We are. Are we? I thought we were talking about resorting services. Resorting. I, I, you see, I I have this. Oh uh, man. This, these condos in Florida I want to sell. <laughs> Miami, right? Yeah. That's such a fine place to own a, a place these days. I, I was down there like um, three weeks ago. It's empty. There's nobody there. There's nobody in Miami. There's nobody left. Yeah, they all left. So it doesn't come with neighbors, in other words. So tell us what you're what thinking about in reporting services these days. What am I thinking about? Well, um, the talk tomorrow, and I just completed uh, writing some courseware uh, on SQL Server 2008 reporting services. So where am I supposed to be looking? Where's the camera? Uh, it's in the corner. Just look oh, at the corner. Okay. So because I, I wanted to show you this uh, video that I just prepared. Oh, that's great. This is a radio show. <laughs> Damn. There's always something. Um, <laughs> I'm sure that's no one the has sound used of that crickets. joke before, yeah. have they? That was the first time. Yeah, right. Nicely done. Um, what was I talking about? Well, this is going to be a long hour. <laughs> Land in Miami? No. Reporting services. Oh, so, yeah. so the, the purpose, uh, well, the purpose of the talk tomorrow is to show people, uh, primarily ASP.NET programmers, but it's, it's applicable for, uh, those using desktop, uh, languages as well, um, or systems, I mean, uh, how to programmatically integrate reporting services into your apps. So you can actually put reporting services reports into your applications. They don't have to be on a web server or anything? Well, there is a report server involved. Okay. Uh, at, at SQL Server. Well, the, there is the client mode too, but that's another story. All right. But I actually talk about that as well. But so, it's, it's a way to, to provide more of a seamless application. So reports become part of your application rather than some distinct entity. When I'm thinking back to the Crystal Reports days, they're gone now, right? Like Crystal Reports no, still Crystal's exist. Crystal's still there. But they're not in the box anymore? They are. Okay. Crystal is an alternative. Uh, many of us, including myself, think it's not a really good alternative anymore that uh, reporting services is just so much better in so many ways. Well, it's, and it's interesting because Crystal's been there forever, like back to VB2. Yeah. And, and finally, you know, we always wondered when Microsoft's actually going to pick a reporting tool that would replace that. Who uses Crystal here? And who's happy with it? Well, that's about five percent. Yeah. And then they all who, put down their hands when he said, "And happy with it." Who's using reporting services today? And how many of you are happy with it? That's about twenty uh, percent, and they all kept their hands up. I would okay. say maybe thirty percent. So, uh, what for those who are using reporting services? What's new? Is there is there anything new in reporting in services? Two thousand eight is 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 great. It's just amazing. Uh, I mean, you know, you always hear the story about you don't have the real good version of anything in Microsoft until the third version. Well, this right. is the third the version, third. so it's fantastic. Right. So good. So this is the one they actually got it right on. So what are the sort of key issues that they got right this time? Um, one of the big ones you don't necessarily see is they've totally re-architected it so it no longer sits on top of IIS. Oh, okay. So it used to uh, live on top of IIS, and there was, some, there was sometimes some competition between other apps and reporting services, so now it's independently on the SQL network stack. Uh, it's it, it's for the most part behaves similarly, but 
It's a different pipe, so it's got its own, yeah. But you, but, still, you still can get it via web. Oh, yeah, it's still served up via HTTP, yes. Okay, but it's not sitting on IIS anymore. Right, and there's a whole bunch of reasons uh, in terms of architecture why they did that. Uh, one of the things uh, in terms of architecture, too, is they used to have it so a report would have to be read completely into memory. Mm-hmm. All the rows in the report, so you've oh, had a, you know, a six million row report, you're, uh, it caused problems. You get this long wait, <laughs> and then it dies. So now the, in re-architecting, they also made it a paged model, so it, it pulls in chunks into memory. Much better, can handle much, much bigger reports, and in general works a bit faster, although I haven't done any specific performance testing myself. Well, just from the architecture, it sounds like it doesn't matter how big the report is. It could just spool it out. Mm, right. So the really big, the big changes as far as I see, uh, one of the big ones is we used to have a separate um, table data region and a matrix data region. And a matrix, for those who are not familiar with reporting services, is essentially reporting services equivalent of cross-tab or pivot uh, report. Okay. And they used to be two distinct things. Uh, table was always really good and fairly flexible, but the matrix was really difficult to work with and it was really limited in what you could do with it. They've merged them, and there's also a third one called the list uh, data region. They've merged all three of them into something called the tablix region. And what it means is that you can create hybrids so that you can have uh, a, a, a cross-tab-like report, but with some static columns, okay. not just the, the dynamic columns. And what does it mean to be a cross-tab report? Can you actually pivot the data yourself? Well, you're no, it's the, the user's not pivoting it. Okay. But it's like a pivot table in that one of the columns... And you can actually multiple columns can be across the. Uh, so this idea is, uh, I have sales, which is you know one row per sale over time, and I want to put the time across the top. Right, right. So each month is a total number. Each of sales. month, day, week, whatever right. you want. Is there a difference in the tools that are available to a WinForms or WPF developer versus a web developer on the client? Uh, yeah. Um, in fact, they still don't support WPF directly. They have a, okay. a viewer control for both. Um, if you want to embed the report viewer in your page or in your resource, I guess, um, you can do it with an ASP.NET page or with a WinForms page. Okay. Now, is it um, an ActiveX control that far back, or is it a WinForms control? It is uh, a WinForms control. Okay. And, um, however, I, I think, I don't know WPF. You could probably create a container that can then host it in WPF, I presume. Well, yeah, there is stuff in WPF for hosting ActiveX controls and and uh, and in some Windows Forms things, but I'm not sure how well. I'm, I haven't done it, so I don't know. But it means it's not going to be XAML-y, so it, it's going to be an odd embed anyway. Well, but, but another thing you could do, as I showed tomorrow in my, in my talk, um, is you don't have to use an embedded uh, page like that. You can push... Basically, push people off to a browser okay, um, and pull up the report in the browser. The obvious question a lot of people are probably thinking about right now is, what about Silverlight? I mean, there must be some good stuff coming from Microsoft there. Again, nothing um, that I'm aware of just yet, but I think in the, on the horizon. Yeah, I, gotta, I, I haven't heard for be. sure if there's anything in, in the next release, which is called R2, which is going to come out the second half of, I mean, the first half of 2010, about Silverlight. I actually tried to work up a Silverlight demo and couldn't, couldn't get it. Well, you can, again, browse to a page. Sure. But, uh, one of the problems with Silverlight is the security context is a little different uh, than ASP.NET or right. uh, WinForms. And I, I was trying to call the um, 
the reporting services web service and I couldn't get the security context to work correctly. Hmm. Yeah, and you can see it's in a container, so it's, right. it's going like to be much more sandbox. restricted. Yeah. So you end up calling out of Silverlight into a regular ASP.NET page to get a report. Right, and you can do that. Yeah. In fact, it could be the container uh, page that launched Silverlight. Okay, but it, you know, it gets back to it's really hard to print it's reports. kind of hacky. Yeah. Just being able to print a good report is a challenge then. Yeah, but actually, uh, reporting services works around that in a couple ways. Uh, one, even when you go in a browser, you can ask it to render it to a, a, another output format. So it will pull up P, a PDF or, or with the new version, uh, 2008, we now have Word format. Oh, really? So you can export the, the, and you can do it, basically you say, nav, you, you pass a URL to reporting services engine and it will render the report Skip the HTML and just render it to whatever output you want. Format. Isn't it interesting that PDF just isn't going away? I mean, no. I thought we, it, it, does, does it, reporting services actually export to XPS? No. Which was, so what it, you know, that was Microsoft's sort of play on the alternative to PDF, but. But they don't support it in reporting services. They, they <laughs> wow. Su- they That's su- okay. Neither does anybody else. <laughs> hey, word I, does. I think they've kind of given up on it. Uh, yeah, I think they have too. I mean, they, the reality is I get a, most of my stuff in email and in web comes in PDF format, and that's the format you save it in, and that's the format you print it in. Get the Foxit reader, foxitsoftware.com. Any fans? Foxit software? Oh, wow. oh, look at that, 20%. Maybe. Yeah, people like Foxit. Are well, because it's they really, because it's really, no, they're not. They're just awesome. It's just really lightweight, and it's not a right. uh, <clears throat> virus like the others. <laughs> We like use, some other Adobe companies might do. I use some other one. I can't remember the name, but um, I've used Foxit previously. Yeah. yeah. But it's just, it, yeah, it's so frustrating that that format is so compelling, yet the, the core program from the core company is so annoying. To us, anyway. I don't know if there's anything wrong with that. No, not that there's anything wrong with that. Uh, so, so you can also export to Excel, to XML. Uh, you can export the data to CSV, and you can export things to uh, MHTML, which no one uses, and uh, TIFF file. TIFF is like the graphic file? Yeah. So it's just an image of, that's of the report. Yeah. So other things that have changed in 2008, uh, big one is the MS Word support. Yeah. And in addition to MS Word support is the support for rich text. So previously, reporting services, you could basically insert a text box within this data region. And the text box would all have to be the same format. So to do sort of a mail merge style report would be close to impossible if you wanted different formatting for different spans of text, right? Because right. you'd have to sort of stack text boxes next to each other, and it, it, it was ugly. It was ugly, and it didn't really work well. Now they support rich text right within the text box. So, you, so basically, text box can be one of two modes: uh, normal, non-rich text mode, or rich text mode. And um, what this means with word support and rich text support is that you can um, replace all that mail merge code you had automating Word and just run it as a server program now. Can you print envelopes? I'm sure you can. You, well, you can change the size. I mean, they don't have a can specific... In Word, can you? you? Yeah. They can in Word. But, you know, it's interesting how hard it doesn't, mail merge it doesn't, is. That's the one thing it won't do. It won't do the, word, the uh, printing, but it will drop the files somewhere. You can have the f- files delivered somewhere. Right. And then some process could pick them up and print them. So you, you basically can use reporting services now to spit out the Word documents that you would then print. Right. right. And it, but I don't know. If you've done any mail merge coding with automation in the years past, which I have, it's very fragile. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, I did it in VB3 with DDE against Word 4. And, I, and that's like more than 10 years ago, and I'm still upset about it. 
Well, I wonder if things have changed by, you know, since then. I'm feeling like no. <laughs> have they changed? Anybody? Anybody? Has, have things changed? Windows 7 built Nobody's on raising their hand, so yeah. maybe not. Anybody, anybody else built a mail merge system? You know what we're talking about? It's only a few hands, like four or five people. And you see, they're all the people that are crying. It's <laughs> <laughs> oh, a lot of pain. Well, those are the guys using Crystal. Why is this so hard? I want to print an envelope and a personalized letter. I mean, really? Why is this still hard? We, we built a huge system. We have beautiful printers with the envelope feeders. And hey, all your old stuff. cranky programmer guy is coming out. Uh, uh, is that showing again? Oh, geez. <laughs> oh, my. Sorry about that. So what else is new? What else is new? Um, much better charts, um, which uh, charts were kind of this different animal because they licensed the charting uh, Dundas, product right? from Dundas, yeah. right? So actually last year or maybe the year before, they bought Dun- that, that product. They bought the whole product or they bought Dundas? I'm not sure. I, I think they know. bought the product. I think they bought the whole company. Well, they bought the division, yeah. I don't, I don't know. Anyway, so they pulled it in-house and they actually worked really hard on it um, or got the Dundas people too. I don't know. But it's much, much better. Uh, you can point and click on things and actually change them directly versus having to pull up this mother of all dialogues, which had like 14 tabs and, you know. You mean like the way Excel does charting? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that dialogue. So, in fact, one of the cool um, side effects of that, too, is Microsoft also support, uh, ha- has pulled out the charting component and made it available to WinForms and ASP.NET programmers as a separate uh, huh. thing you can download called the dot, a Microsoft uh, .NET chart control. Wow. Well, they must have bought Dundas then. I don't, I don't really don't know. About it. Yeah, but this is I interesting for just regular are. apps, like building the sort of yes. dashboard-like view with your yes. gauges and things on it. It doesn't work with reporting services. It directly you feed it. The, you combine data to it or pass data to it, and you basically get the but all the the nice. Um, and it doesn't have a UI. It's basically programmatic programmatic API. Too. It's a set of controls. Yeah. Okay. Very cool. Um, other thing is we have gauges, which. Hmm, Gauge lets you basically show a little meter or a thermometer or a speedometer right. and show one value. Again, Dundas. <laughs> right. Dundas had that. They call it data visualization. Nice. Well, you can't, I have used the Dundas controls to do, you know, like VU meters and, you know, semi real time. It, it's some, um, you know, it works, but I know what you mean. It's not like a continuous readout. In a report, readout. it's a little different. Yeah. In a report, yeah. it's a static. A report value. is more of a static event. Um, it's, just, it's just a way to represent a number in, in, a, in a method that takes up a lot of screen space. Yeah, you could have just put the number on there. It's for managers. Yeah, it's sexy though. Yeah, they need it. Yeah, I'm I, here. You want to pull out the cranky old developer thing? Remember, Go for it. Remember Three Mile Island? Do you remember? Yes. So one of the problems with Three Mile Island, the reason it overheated, was that they didn't have a gauge that actually had the temperature on it. They had red, yeah, green, yellow, red. And so when the gauge went all the way in the red, they thought, oh, that's bad. And that's, they didn't know how bad. And they found out later that if they actually tried to pump cooling water into it, it would have exploded because it was really bad. It's probably written in access. Is this a Canadian viewpoint of this? Yeah, because we, we, we make reactors too, you know, and they don't blow up like some people's. <laughs> oh, you Canadians are so superior, aren't you? <laughs> I, well, um, that was John Cleese from Fish Call Wanda. Um, uh, a couple other things. Um, better brow, so, Reporting source, especially version one and less so this, the sec, well, when I say version one, 2000 version, right. 2005, uh, was great in IE, but eh, had some problems in other browsers. Right. So Microsoft has worked on that. Um, and, uh, it, it, 
reports for the most part render really well in, in a Chrome, Safari, Firefox, uh, Opera. Hmm. There is one little thing I run into though, um, a little tip for your, um, listeners here. And that is if you have a tabular report, just a standard, you know, banded sort of report, um, the way, the problem is the way the, the, the uh, HTML tables get inserted into into the HTML document that is the default report services um, output format. Well, anyway, long story short, the different browsers support this nesting of tables differently. Oh yeah. And uh, the trick is make sure you have a header, just a, a header at the top of your table that's that's the stre- stretches the width of the table to below. establish the width of the table before right. the data fills it up. Exactly. Otherwise, in some instances, the when run, say in Firefox or something, the the report will squish down Interesting. At, at low width, and they yeah, so they haven't quite fixed that. There used to be problems with length too, squishing up. It, um, but that's been fixed. I'm just thinking about the idea that they're still they're generating the report, building it with tables and not with CSS or span tags and right. Hey, are you a CSS zealot or something? No, maybe just a bit of a you know. Hey, 1998 called and wants its formatting techniques back. <laughs> I'm just saying. Uh, the last uh, thing to mention is there's a alternative tool to using Visual Studio uh, called Report Builder. There was a Report Builder 1.0 that came out with the 2005 version of SQL Server uh, Reporting Services, and Report Builder 2.0 is part of 2008, much, much better. It used to be basically you lived in two different worlds, so you build a report and report builder. It couldn't work in Visual Studio and vice versa. Oh man! Uh, now it's, you can use either to edit. So is a report builder really so that we can give the users the ability yes. to build their own reports? It's a one-click app that installs on their desktop, and um, so it does only run in Windows, but um, but it allows uh, users, basically power users, information workers, to build reports. Okay. Or to customize your reports. Right, right, or customize the reports. So when you're out of town at a conference, for example. Not that that would ever happen. They, they're, they're less out of luck. Yeah. Well, and I like the idea of off, trying to offload that report building work. Although, generally speaking, I find it's the query side that they mess up anyway. Yeah, that, that is still the problem. You still, they still have to be a little educated on how to put together reports. There, there's something that reporting services, uh, uh, well, has and that's the ability to create these things called report models, which can simplify the um, the look of your database. So they see a much uh, simplified, denormalized version of the database. So just focusing on the sort of core entities: <laughs> yeah. customer, product, right, right. sales, that kind of thing. And of course, you could do that to a lesser extent with just creating lots of views. Yeah, user friendly. Wrap views. everything in views, but this is better. Yes, the modeling approach. It pr- pr- uh, gives you better control if you want that level of control. Are there people using uh, the client-side tools to build essentially applications that accept input and everything, or are reports still remaining static? Reports are pretty much static. I mean, they're they're for displaying output. Um, so, but there are selectable controls and things that you can put in there that will alter the. No, no. There's some dynamics, but it's not not to enter data. It's, it's maybe to drill down, yeah, expand, or to select, collapse. Yeah. Drill down is what I'm thinking is that yeah. you have this sort of top level number and yep. you're able to hit it and it breaks it out. And by you region. can you can link reports together, so you could have a chart and you could double uh, click on the bar and then you could go into the detail level. And there's no like filtering. Quick, if you've ever used Quicken, does that? Yeah, yeah. You can do that. Report is, there, is there filtering? 
At the so yeah, level. so you basically are filtering the second report based on the selection in the first report. Yes, that's cool. So the, and that's well, we did a lot of that in OLAP. How does the OLAP side play into the reporting? So system? reporting services can go against uh, uh, analysis services instead of SQL Server. Okay. Pretty much any ODBC or OLADB uh, data source, in addition, and analysis services. There's some special capabilities built in. So you get back to that drilling, slicing, dicing. I right. want to, I, you know, we talked about pivot tables or, or cross tabs already where I really want to take this particular element and put it across the top and different element across the side and, and drill into data in different ways. There, there's some tricks you can do to make your reports a little more interactive, but it's fairly limited. It, it's still fairly a static environment. This portion of .NET Rocks is brought to you by our good friends at Telerik, who bring you the Rad Control Suite for Silverlight. Are you already playing with Silverlight 3? Then you might have started using .NET RIA services, rich internet application services, which make data operations a whole lot easier, especially for a line of business applications. So check it out. Our friends at Telerik are again ahead in the game, tapping on the new benefits of Silverlight 3. Their RAD control suite for Silverlight now fully supports .NET RIA services and domain data source. So if you're wondering what's in it for you, the answer is pretty straightforward. You get completely codeless binding to RIA services, impressive validation support on the client and on the server. Your customer will also be pleased to sort, filter, and page data much faster as all data operations are now server-side. Besides, the suite also offers out-of-browser support, and as you might already have heard, the first commercial 3D chart. Check out the Telerik Silverlight suite at telerik.com slash silverlight. Don't forget to say thanks for supporting .NET Rocks. I'm just amazed at how, again, is building a great client for analyzing data. Like most reports are designed to show a particular thing and you're just looking at the value. And the whole OLAP cube is more about, I don't know what I'm looking for, but I need to go look, like trying to figure out who's buying what or where we're making the most sales. And, and then, you know, when we do that reports, we end up doing this sort of manual analysis where you run the report and then you run the report again and you run the report again and you alter the report. And OLAP is more supposed to be dynamic. Well, you know, people still can use the existing OLAP tools and they can, on top of that, create a static report. Sure. I think is the idea. Well, I think, Everybody ends up in Excel in the end, don't they? Yeah, you, yeah. The and you can output a report to Excel as well. Right. Now, do you need a separate SQL Server to run reporting services, or can no, you run this can on be, the same SQL Server that you're? It could be on the same same SQL Server. Is that a good idea? Um, yeah, it depends on the size of your, uh, out, you know, your organization. Um, one thing I, I work at a Cancer Research Institute, and what our group has decided uh, is we're we're most of. Uh, our databases are still in SQL Server 2005. Hmm. So what I did um, is made it basically created a 2008 report server. So we so we had to license one one copy of, of SQL Server 2008 because I saw the the the, the new features as as so much better, mm-hmm. so so much revolutionary better almost. Uh, um, so we have all of our reports on one, but we still have uh, SQL Server 2005 where all the data comes from. Well, and you know, and then there's the other uh, mindset that says you should always have a a separate report server with more, uh, you know, with a with a different architecture than yeah, maybe your it's not your a bad data, idea. your data, your live data server could have a an architecture that's more tuned to performance. And you can, in fact, uh, separate the report server. Report server is really two parts. It's the it's the web server, 
and the and, database. And the database, which stores the uh, deployed reports. So you can split it up into two, to two systems as well. What's the licensing like there? Is it just the same license? I, you, I, yes, I believe it's one license. Although, and you can put out your standard declaration of, but I'm not a licensing expert, and apparently I'm none not actually exist. I'm a licensing expert, but... Yeah, it looks like it's that. I don't think there are any licensing I believe experts. that is the correct thing, that the the web component can sit on a separate server, right. that, as long as you're licensed for Windows Server. But I, I could be wrong there. That's the way it was in the past anyway. Oh, you asked about this, this static dynamic sort of thing. Yeah, the, right. the next release of reporting services is going to uh, allow reports to consume these Atom feeds. Oh, Okay. Uh, so it can, so reporting services can do more dashboardy sort of stuff because it can have a live feed and do reports. Oh, interesting. On that. And do reports on a feed. Yeah. So that's kind of cool. Yeah, that is cool. I haven't yeah. played with that myself, but that, that looks pretty but interesting. But it's just, a, it, this is another approach, right? I mean, one thing to generate is a report or do an OLAP cube, that uh-huh. sort of an analytics. But this is, again, get back to the dashboard view. Right. Well, Microsoft yeah. has this other product, Performance Point. I think it's called. Yeah, and but so didn't it go away? In some ways, it, it may compete. It, the different products may compete with each other. Yeah, no, I think, I think it's still there. Okay. I was talking to Craig Utley today, and he's doing a talk on it. And they're still doing Performance Point. Or, yeah. are they, you know what it is? I think they stopped selling it, but they're you know, bundling it with SharePoint. Oh, that's a, maybe the main that's thing. Instead of making a separate product. But, it's, yeah, it's funny to see the different teams <laughs> almost competing in that oh. space. And that's, I think, one great thing that Microsoft does is 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 have the product groups compete with each other. I think it, it fosters better products. I agree. Sometimes there are some issues with compatibility and such yeah. that we always run into. I agree. Into. A lot of people outside tend to think of Microsoft as one big giant company to rule them all. You know, yeah. it really, and it's if they really saw it inside, they yeah, they, it's lots and lots of little companies. But, you know, the, the conflict there is like looking at the graphing tools in Excel and saying, how come I don't have this as reporting services? And now that the reporting service ones have changed, I'm sure there's stuff in there that's not in Excel. So what else is on the list for R2? Uh, this geospatial support. So mapping. Mm-hmm. You can yeah. create map reports, map type reports, uh, either independent or on top of Bing reports, uh, Bing maps, I mean. So that, that should be pretty cool. Bing maps used to be live services. Yeah. 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 Bing everything now. Now right? they binged it all. Okay. Yeah. A lot of Bing. It's all it's all a little binged up. Actually, actually maybe reporting services should have been called Bing. Bing reporting. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, got to liven it up. Yeah. <laughs> like Microsoft this has talk. Some, apparently, has some great names, don't they? Yeah. Integration services. What happened to file import, file export? I don't know, but <laughs> and the thing is, SSIS, which is the full acronym of integration services. Is really a great product that nobody knows about. It's frustrating. Like the, I watch folks writing code to read files in by hand. It's like you know you own a license to SSIS. So Maybe with this, figure out how to use it. So with the spatial stuff, now uh, we know that SQL Server can de- deal with spatial uh, data types. This is just now taking that. So now we can display maps as part of the report with right, data embed on it. data and you know do coloring and, and and put elements in, in a map that show the the value or right. We could look like the Verizon commercial, for example. I guess yeah, little little pins all over the place. Where this one guy laughed. Thank you, sir. Thank you. You guys are unbelievable. Laugh. Come on. I'm sure they will. As soon as we do something funny. Yeah, yeah, probably. Uh, there's, there's other report, uh, improvements in, uh, R2 release. Uh, what's the other, one of the other ones? Oh, oh, the report viewer control is now going to be Ajaxy. 
Ooh. Use Ajax. So we should get some more dynamic uh, behavior. So you can do the the drill downs, and it'll just go back fetch yeah. and repopulate. <clears throat> right. I'm, the geospatial stuff interests me not so much for geospatial because I've you know I've seen a lot of maps. But when we talked a bit about this on another show, we were talking about how SQL Server actually has the non like latitude longitude spaces. Like I'm, I'm dealing with a, a warehouse floor, and I want to be able to cut that up into regions and then you know analyze data in that context. It'd be interesting to be able to report against that as well and say, well, here's a floor plan, and here's what's in that area, here's what's in this area. It's just there's more to geospatial than just latitude and longitude maps. Yeah. And, and actually, in concert with the additions to reporting services, the, the, the database engine is going to support geospatial data right. in, in, in a more complete way. I haven't really drilled down into it much. Sure. But uh, just read about that part. Yeah, the geospatial data has huge possibilities, but visualizing that usefully. Yeah, that's the trick. Getting into useful visualizations on it all. So what sort of, you obviously working for the cancer clinic, you guys are doing a lot of reporting. What sort of reports are you building? Like where does, and, and what's the pain like for reporting services? Like you were saying, you needed to do this in 2008 because it was going to be too hard in 2005. Yeah, what's the, what's the, uh, the thorn in your side for 2008? Well, in the, oh, in 2008 currently? Yeah. Not much. I'm pretty happy with most things. One of the, uh, things that we've had problems with is, um, authentication. Those reporting services natively only supports Active Directory. So, oh. yeah, it's meant as an intranet reporting tool. Use intranet. So if you want to expose this publicly the, as a, a reporting tool, that show reports directly from reporting services, you have to put the ASP service into the, the privileges. Like, that sounds ugly. Yeah, it's difficult. Um, there, there is, there is a, Security extension, you can configure it as, as an unsupported thing using forms authentication. I've never tried it. Uh, the other option is to install it in SharePoint integrated mode. Okay. Uh, but that means sort of buying the whole SharePoint. Going deal. all the way into SharePoint. Yeah. And I'm just thinking back to what you said that I think I could run reporting services in the background, generate TIFFs, and drop them uh, into the right directories. Well, the, the, and other, just make the other thing way. you can do, Goldberg. And, and I, sh- I show that in my talk tomorrow, um, at least, 90% of it, is you on the fly uh, can program against it and create subscriptions to reports. Oh. So what you can do is programmatically generate a, a subscription that starts right now and then email the report to someone outside of the um, firewall. Okay, so the, the guy goes to the web page and says, if you want this report, give me your email address, submit. You yep. generate the report and email it. Yep. And what format would you generate the report in? So How it could be in PDF, it? it could be in Word, it could be any of the formats. Okay. You, that are supported. Where does the emailing part come from? you got to write that yourself? Is that built into no, built .NET, right? Oh, no, this, this, the, this whole idea of creating subscriptions is built into reporting services. The oh, reporting okay. services engine will create subscriptions, and they can be um, on a schedule so that you can have a report. So I have reports that are emailed to people daily, and some that are report, emailed to people on monthly or weekly. And so the mail server configuration is all done right there in reporting services? Well, you still need using... an SMTP server right. to do the mailing, but okay. the subscription engine and the thing, the calendaring is all built in. That's nice. That's a, that's a better answer. Because you're always going to mail, and the mail server could be anywhere, right? This could right. be internal or external. It doesn't really matter. Exactly. It's going to make a connection via SMTP and say, send an email to this guy. Here's my account. Right. And, and all of the whole process of creating the attach, because I've done this in like the low level SMTP 
Like making attachment is you don't need horrible. to do that. It's real easy. Yeah, um, and you can do it either through the UI of Report Manager or programmatically. And but, I, I showed in my talk how to do it programmatically, create subscriptions. But if you know, in lieu of that, what you're saying is, if you don't have Active Directory, and uh, and you want to, and you and you don't want to email, you're basically not. No, you well, you, you can. You don't have SharePoint. If you, you want to integrate it with SharePoint, and well, if you don't have well, SharePoint, you don't have SharePoint. Active Directory. There is you really this can't unsupported. Change over to forms authentication, but it's uh, it's pretty dicey, and you you move the whole server over. It's not oh. per project. Ugh. So Yikes. yeah, yeah, that's a fair limitation. I, I still like my generated TIFF idea. <laughs> yeah, the game Mousetrap comes to mind. Nice. Thanks for that. You're welcome. <laughs> Two chuckles in the front row. Thank you, sir. Thanks. Yeah. Um, again, if as you're programming against it, you have a little more leeway because you can embed a, an account. And actually generate it. Okay. On the back end of this, are you a stored procedure guy? Do you build a stored procedure to generate the data set for the, for the report? That's the way. Don't have to, but no. um, I just tend write to a still query. be. A, a, everyone tells me I'm sort of uh, ancient, but I still like stored procedures. Yeah, me too. They ain't broke. Well, I keep hearing they are, but. <laughs> But the idea that we, you know, get this idea, I used to do this with Crystal because Crystal wrote the worst queries known to man. So I would write a stored procedure to say, call this, right? Like it was, it was horrible. Uh, and you just don't want the, the, your reporting tool writing queries. I'd rather, you know, write up the stored procedure, get the set in the shape that I want, I'm happy with it and get performance is decent and then build the report. The report is then a formatting tool, not a querying tool. Right. I agree. So when's Project Natal coming out? <laughs> you want to know? Because I, I found out today. Tell us. Next Carl. November, the date leaked. November 2010, Project Natal. How much is it going to... Yeah, clap. So is this where you go like this yeah. with your Xbox? That's where you can go, what? You know, I just keep saying I want to put up a picture of people I don't like and go, and smack them in the face. And I'll be happy. But uh, 83 bucks is the estimated price. Eighty-three dollars. Eighty-three ninety-five or eighty-three. No, eighty-three even. bucks. Fi- okay. About fifty pounds today. Wow, that's crazy. Okay, so what were we talking about before I so rudely interrupted you? Uh, R two. Now, how we get reporting services and the tile to work together, right? So you want to you want to just use the hand gesture to go page to page and poke at the screen to drill in. And now you're thinking. Oh no, I'm working on it. You you with sounds, me? Here. Sounds good. All right. Except I just, I'm, I'm not an can Xbox you, guy. Can't you see programming, or can you see computer usage in the future where you just start standing inside of a screen waving at it? That's what it's going to be. I have a question to, for the audience. How many people use a game system when they're not working? A good okay. 30 And how many 20%? don't? How many, the last thing they want to the do is, oh, is get another keyboard or something in their hand when they get home. <laughs> yeah, a lot. That has to do with a computer or computerized device. And yeah, finally get home, I just want to... You know, not Edge. work. I want to play guitar. That's what I want to do when I get home. But of course, you have your guitar hooked up to MIDI interface. Oh, it's hooked up to a lot more than that. <laughs> I have a direct connection. Is MIDI still the way to go? Is there some new uh, MIDI? Uh, this is not the time or place to talk about this because I could go on forever. But okay. uh, the thirty-second um, version. The thirty-second version is MIDI is something that a lot of people think of as those annoying little sounds that you yeah. hear on little songs. You know, playing the Sheik of Araby when you hit a web page and you just can't find the stop button fast enough. But uh, and that's what's MIDI, on the, the, the MIDI is actually a high-speed serial port that is used to control synthesizers. It's been used in the music business since the 80s. 
And uh, it can, you can also use it to use controller devices like sliders and buttons and knobs and stuff. And uh, with a toolkit such as the one that I wrote that you can get at uh, dnrtv.com, you can get those values that it generates in real time and do anything you want with them. So MIDI is cool. That wasn't 30 seconds. I just want you to know. 30. So, but there's no replacement for MIDI. MIDI is it? No, MIDI is MIDI is the state of the, the transport for uh, is a transport for data of musical devices. But oh. I still like my guitar that does not have MIDI. Paul's drums have MIDI. Hey, Paul. Paul Sheriff. Please know. Sold the drums. He's acoustic. All right. Oh. He's a purist. No more electronic. So, uh, I'm not what musical. else? What else can we say about R2? The next version. Uh, anything else they didn't say? Uh, just improvements in uh, authentication and report builder. And, oh, yeah, and uh, it's going to be free. No, it's not free. I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if it's going to be a free uh, release or not. Actually, that was a joke. I have no idea. One I don't either. Yeah, well, I, the R2 upgrades generally, you still have to have a license for them. But Well, I mean, already have a license. Yeah. If you already have a license, do you pay additional... Or is it included? Yeah, so isn't reporting services itself is free, but you need a SQL server. Isn't that the way it has been? Or do well, you need a license? It's part for of SQL server? server. It ships with SQL Server, and you can either decide to install that component or not. So the license is for a SQL Server. Right. Yeah. That makes sense. Uh any tips we can go into for folks who are just getting started in reporting services, sort of the paths of, of failure, like don't set it up like this, uh, you know, basic ideas? You've done this enough times now. Well, there's uh, one of the tools to use is there's the report configuration manager mm-hmm. after you've installed it. And you want to go in there, and you need to go in there, and uh, you can customize what URL reporting services uh, responds to and what re- uh, URL re- the report manager responds to, and you can set up if you want to allow um, SSL or or require SSL and and set up the email server, the right. SMTP server in there. So that's that's a tool that you should be aware of. It gets installed in the normal SQL Server start menu thing. The reporting services doesn't install by default with SQL Server. You have to go into the and say I want. You have to ask for it. Yeah. Yeah. But you get all you do get the configuration manager and stuff with it. When you oh do yeah, that. yeah, yeah. Okay. So yeah, so that's don't one, forget to configure before you go storming off trying to use it. That that's one thing uh, to consider. I mean, the other thing is, it reporting services isn't going to make you isn't going to get you to know your data. So the best thing you can do for creating better reports is to get to know your data really well. Mm-hmm. I mean, the same thing with charts. You know, with charts, matrix reports, or standard reports. If you don't know the data, you're just picking stuff. You know, you're dragging and dropping, and you're you're creating crap, basically. Well, I think it, a crap with a box around it. Yeah, a lot, a lot of developers we really struggle with. Well, we and we always push that question back to the business guy. So, what do you want to see? And it's almost like nobody knows inside of an organization what's a relevant measurement for the company. So, yeah, how I mean, about I, this one? You're in a meeting and say, "What's this uh, start procedure do?" Oh, that one. No, we haven't used that one in 54 years. <laughs> Why is it still in the database then? Um, but, <laughs> but yeah, the Come number on, one there. tip for doing your better reporting is, is to know your data. And most of it is fairly, um, intuitive, I think. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, you can get better. You could, I just, uh, completed recording a 12 chapter course and that you can, um, buy at some point or you buy a book or whatever. There's, right. there's lots of tips and tricks and things to, to learn. But the basics, I think the best thing you can do is, um, 
know more about the data or have someone you're allied with who knows a lot about the data. It sounds like a, a whiteboard exercise, right? This has got nothing to do with the technology. This is the yeah. basic idea of here's what's stored in the database. What do we want to look at? What, what is the, right. what is the, you know, speedometer of this business? How do we look at it? Right. But reporting services is very flexible. You, like say, you, the charting is much better this time. Uh, you can do the matrix reports or you can do the standard tabular reports mm-hmm. with grouping, with parameters, with fancy expressions. The expressions can either be in the SQL that feeds the query or they can be after the fact. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can create subscriptions, you know, lots and lots of stuff you can do. Uh, but it all starts with knowing the data well. Sure. What about stuff like invoices? I mean, there's one thing to build a tabular report, sort of, you know, the dump of the GL and stuff, but when you actually want to print out something well, that's going to get mailed you, up? There's where you would use the the list approach. So we have this thing called the Tablix control now. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tablix uh, data region is, is essentially what hosts the report. Uh, and that can work basically in one of three starter modes. It can be work for a tabular report, a matrix report, or a list report. Mm-hmm. So that's where you would use the list sort of personality of it. Although you can, like I said, create a hybrid that goes between them, but you right. sort of have a template that you start with. Um, and because an invoice is going to be more like a mail merge sort of thing. Yeah, you've got a header with some right. sort of core so, information. Or look and like then a, a form, list. I guess, yeah, yeah. is what you would call. It. So you would use the list, right? The list control. And then just lay out your um, controls, and uh, it's pretty straightforward, actually. You talked about the matrix control a couple times with uh, a twinge. What uh, what essentially is that, and why why is it so painful? I didn't say it was painful. Oh no. Okay. Well, what did you say about it? <laughs> you said it was a little more difficult, more complex. I think. Matrix uh, is um, another name for it is cross tab or pivot table. Right. Uh, again, even more than you had to for a tabular report, you need to know your data because your data, usually you're going to want it. It's, it will work with ungrouped data, but you're generally going to want to group the data right. because it, it really, it gets powerful with the grouping. Yeah, that stuff matters. But this is, this is 2005, right? They, Tablix replaces all of that. Right, but it's the same. But it, I mean, oh, I it's see. the so essential it's, same concept. It's much it's like better now. In one, but control. again, you need you need to even know your data even better because you need to know what groups really well. Uh, you know, you need to know the difference between categorical data and continuous data, and because you're going to calculate some sum of statistics, so it gets more complex. Mm-hmm. Uh, the same thing for charts. This doesn't sound like something that a that a. Uh a user can do like you need someone technical with the data to be able to do this. You've always been you always needed that for any kind of reporting tool, though. Yeah, I mean, if you're, you know anything beyond the simple Northwind report or something, yeah, right. There isn't a tool that writes your reports for you. You know, you were your next access guy. You are correct. Go ahead, admit it. Yeah, you're yeah, among yeah. friends. But, and the reason I bring it up is because access in like. 1998. Awesome reporting. Had a better Absolutely. reporting environment than just about anything I'd ever Absolutely. seen. Absolutely. Do you, th- has reporting services caught up to that, do you think? I think it's caught up and, and surpassed it now. Really? I mean, the way, so one thing that reporting services doesn't have is an event model. Okay. So both Crystal and Access have that, but you really don't need it because you basically just create expressions instead that do the branching for you mm-hmm. and they can call code, but there's no, uh, before, what is it, you know, before print event or before. Right, the ability to actually drop some code in there in different it's, stages it's of the report. It's dropped in in a different way. Oh, really? But, but, so you can have code in there and it can even be .NET. You can hook, 
hook up a dot .NET assembly even okay. to do some to calculate some expression, and then the branching the expression is the branch the branching is before it gets to the expression. So it's a little different approach. But other than that, oh yeah, reporting services I think is, is is has exceeded access. Can you see? And maybe this is a question and for Richard. And you don't need this heavy client yeah. sitting on the desk. Well, that was the price of using an access report is you had to have access on the machine. That was a pretty hefty price to pay. Yeah, events and the web just sort of. And you can it. push reports to Max now. Right. Well, and and this maybe this is a question for Richard. Windows Richard, devices. do you see functional programming anywhere in the reporting future? So it's a weird question. I don't think so. I don't think it's necessarily relevant. It, I guess it depends on how you think about reporting, right? The the way you would break you think about this, Paul. The way you break data out, I think, offers opportunities in the functional side. Yeah, that's a stretch. I don't think it, I don't think anyone's going to get there. I guess I'd agree. Yeah. No. Well, it just it just seemed to me maybe maybe if you're writing a report engine. You know, then then that that's maybe where a functional language would come in, possibly. Possibly. I mean, when you get away from the invoice type thing, like the the kind of report that you send to individuals, and you get into reports that are trying to instrument a business, I'm just kind of stunned we're still making them in a lot of ways. Isn't this what the dashboard was supposed to be more real time, the sort of continuous visualization, and that's where you might get into more complex programming models to try and make that visualization work. But well, is there any is there any report you haven't been able to write yet? Well, in in the previous versions, yes. Currently, I think I can write just about anything I I want. We're now banging up conceived. You're running, yeah. We're banging up against the limits of people's creativity on how they want to see data now. Yeah, true. There's so many types of charts. I think there's probably 50 different types of charts. Uh, well, some of them are variations on, on a general type, but that I think most people use your, you know, the the uh, bar chart and and pie the chart. pie chart. Yeah, that's it. That's and it. They're done. Ignore the other forty-eight. <laughs> um, well, now we get into like a conversation around guys like Tufty about the visualization oh, yeah. of data. Oh, great guy. Oh, amazing! But you know, actually, yeah, I went to a, a, a seminar by him once. Mm-hmm. Great talk, and it just. Yeah, that's a whole other level of thinking about how you visualize data. There's all these wacky graphs that they only work for a very small amount of data. When uh, when is R2 scheduled to ship? We haven't really talked about that, did we? The the last thing I've heard is first half of the year 2010. And, not, and the fact that they're saying that and not with Studio means it's probably not going to be before March then. By the way, there's a pain point that reminds me. Okay. Is, um, so the designer lives in Visual Studio. Uh, for reports. And unfortunately, Microsoft, every version of uh, reporting services has had a different designer that's tied to a version of Visual Studio. So you, so on my, on my desktop computer at work, I have uh, still have Visual Studio 2002, was it? 2003. 2003, yeah. 2005, and 2008, because at one point, I, for different departments, I was supporting a 2000 uh, report server reports in 2005 and 2008. It's insane that... You cannot build a report right. for 2000 reporting services on a 2008 or even for 2005. I, I would be, be a lot happier. Huh. So didn't you say there was a separate report designer though that was? No, it a, lives in Visual. Well, there's a report builder. That's report builder. But the previous versions weren't powerful enough to to use for anything. Uh, certainly, by someone who knew the data very well, they wouldn't want to use it. 
So, and I, and I imagine the report builder that's in 2008 only works for 2008 reporting services. Right. So, okay. I would love how, how you can, um, you know, build to different versions of .NET. I would love if, if Microsoft made it so in, in the R2 I can, I could, uh, deploy to, I could basically build and deploy to an R2 report server or to 2008 or 2005 or whatever. Yeah, that, that sounds like it's a necessary feature. And I know people have been complaining about that for years. But I don't know if they're going to do anything about it. It certainly would be nice. It's really tricky. And, and it was worse in 2008 because Visual Studio 2008 came out and it didn't work with reporting services at all until you did SP1. SP1 supported uh, SQL Server since SQL Server came out at the time of SP1. So it was really confusing. Right. Yeah, SQL Server came out after Studio 2008. So there was a time there where you, you couldn't work. Right. So this, you had to go back to 2005 to do reports. Oh, this man. whole wacky thing with versioning is, is really problematic since SQL Server decided to tie itself to Visual Studio. Any, any other things that you really wish you, they would put in R2 that you know they're not going to? Or? Well, the authentication. I'd like to have a flexible mixed authentication model. I really would. It would make my life a lot easier. <laughs> and nowhere to be found. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I haven't heard that that's changed. Okay. Um, any last-minute things you want to throw in here before we adjourn? Uh, no, I think that sums it up. Uh, congratulations on your 500th show. Or oh, thank you. What, so what show is this, then, approximately? Sometime after 500. That's all you can say? That's all I know for sure. You know, i got to get this. When you do a lot of shows, man, and like scheduling is not a trivial thing. I'll have to figure it out. But, yeah, it'll be sometime after So you're after the scheduling 500. guy, not I, Carl. Yeah, yeah Richard's Carl's the scheduling creative. Yeah, Carl's the creative guy. Richard's the... I'm the numbers guy. I run the band of audio geeks. So uh, the other thing is, this is coming out after PDC, and some of the things that we talked about, we might have to update after PDC, and that's almost... Yeah, we might have to be back. Okay. All right. I'd be happy to come on another day and talk about something else, too. Paul Lewin, thank you very much. Thanks, Paul. Thank you. We'll see you next time on Dot Rock. .NET Rocks is recorded and produced by Pwop Productions, providing professional audio, audio mastering, video, post-production, and podcasting services. Online at www.pwop.com. .NET Rocks is a production of Franklin's Net, training developers to work smarter and offering custom on-site classes in Microsoft development technology with expert developers online at www.franklins.net For more .NET Rocks episodes and to subscribe to the podcast feeds go to our website at www.dotnetrocks.com Got a transmitter band